0: You shall not commit adultery. Wow. So this morning we're going to be talking about sex. Yeah. Did he just say sex in church? I did. Aren't you glad we have visitors today? Awesome. That's right. I got the seventh commandment. You shall not commit adultery. A word of warning in advance. Uh, it will get awkward this morning. In fact, I pray it does get awkward. Don't you know when Jesus spoke, it got awkward, right? When things get awkward, it tends to stick with us more. When we leave here this morning, we'll be like, man, that was weird. That was awkward. But I'll remember it. <laughs> so it's going to talk to us on a deeper level. If you have our Bibles, please open them to Matthew 5, verse 27 through 30. If you don't, it's okay. You can follow along on the back of the screen. Are you ready? Well, let's get started. Matthew 5:27. You have heard it was said that you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Amen. Wow. That's intense. Calling this morning, the victory is yours. The victory is yours. Before we continue, though, let's pray. Father God, I'm just so grateful for this morning, for this beautiful Sunday morning. It's nice and cool. The heat has kind of went away. And I'm just so glad that everyone's here to this morning just to hear your word, Lord. I pray for awkwardness this morning, God. I pray that you use this time to speak to us. You use this time to change us. Um, it's going to be different than when we came in here this morning. We're going to leave here different. I believe that, God. And so I just pray that you speak to us in these awkward moments this morning. Just speak into our hearts. Speak into our minds. And just allow us just right now just to have that open heart to receive your word. And since I we pray, amen. I think that at times it can be hard to forgive someone. Now, don't look at your spouses and don't elbow them, right? But sometimes, I think we can all agree that it's hard to forgive. There are some things in life, at least that for me, it is impossible to forgive. Am I right? Uh, when we left Spokane, we were, lo- we were moving to Texas by a way of a few months, uh, like three months in California. This was a long time ago. And we needed to get rid of everything, all of our possessions. We needed to get rid of everything, um, we only had an SUV, and we had it jam-packed with what we can carry. And Leilani was just born, and so we had all of her baby stuff just stuffed into this SUV. It took a lot of room. The morning we left Spokane, I threw away everything. Anything that didn't fit went to this big dumpster outside. I even threw away our old blankets and our old pillows. Wait, I just need to be specific. I threw away Lucinda's pillow. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I threw away a pillow that Lucinda had been working on for years, you know, getting it ready for her, getting it perfect for her. I tossed it away, tossed it out without even thinking. It's gone. It was gone. It was, it was gone. <laughs> to this day, she has not forgiven me. That was like 10 years ago. She has not forgiven me. We go, it com- the conversation, it comes up several times a year. Several times a year. I'm not kidding you. We'll be at Target or Walmart. We'll be in the pillow section. And she just looks at the pillows, shakes her head. And I have offered, I'll buy you all these pillows if you want these pillows. Nope. Nope. The betrayal was too Real. She still talks about that pillow. I told her, I said, that was 10 years ago. You would have thrown that pillow away a long time ago. doesn't matter. There's a reason why she's in the kitchen right now, and I can say this stuff. (laughs) Have you uh, had a similar argument with your spouse? Maybe uh, not the pillow argument, but something that has come up um, that seems to be hard to forgive. Men, I want to talk to you for a second. Have you ever heard the question, what did I just say? I've heard this before. You know, when you're, you're watching football or something, you're like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And then she'll say, what did I just say? And you're like, and you're thinking fast. You're trying to think fast. <laughs> or when a, a woman walks by, is she pretty? Don't raise your hands, by the way. Is she pretty? This morning we're going to talk about the seventh commandment from God, which is, you shall not commit Adultery. The King James Version says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. The ESV says, You shall not commit adultery. The NLT says, You must not commit adultery. Different, but not. Plain and simple, don't do it. I can stop right here, right? Conversations, our sermon's done. Have a great day. Don't do it. But it's not so simple, is it? It's not so simple. Most people may or may not know what adultery even is. Most people think it's simply sex outside of marriage or just cheating on your husband or your wife. But there's more to it. There is actually a lot more to it. Jesus is about to change that definition of what adultery is. He comes into the picture, and he's changing what that definition is. It's going to include something else. It's going to include the hidden intentions of Within the human heart. So Jesus changes it to not what we do, but what's in our heart. Because you see, at the center of adultery, it's not a physical problem. Although it can certainly it can manifest itself that way, but it's not a physical problem. It's an issue of the heart. It starts with the heart. Let's see uh, what the Bible says about this. Jesus says in Matthew 27, 5.27, You have heard it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone, anyone, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Have you ever looked at someone that is not your spouse lustfully? Have you seen movies these days? Have you looked at an actor or an actress on TV in an impure manner? How about divorce? It says in Mark 10, he answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. It's not so cut and dry, is it? It's not so simple as just physical cheating. But this morning we're going to get to the heart of the matter. Adultery can be a potential problem in every marriage. But it's also an issue for people who are not married. It begins with a disease. A disease that can wrap itself up into any man or any woman. And it changes the way they think. It changes the way they look at life around them. And it makes them lose all sense. It's called lust. Lust. And it can affect us all. In First John 2.16 it says, For everything in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father... But from the world. Men, I want to talk to you for a second. While women certainly do face these issues themselves, I am not a woman, I am a man. And so I know the battles, the battles that men face. And if you think for a moment that you're alone, you're not alone. Our current culture, we are surrounded by sex. We are surrounded by the things that could plant that seed of impurity in our mi- in our minds and in our heart and allow it if we allow it, it can fester inside of you and it could rot you from the core. So what do you do? A glance, my friends, is all it takes. you know what i 'm talking about. What do you do? Do you give in to this temptation of this lust or do you Turn away from it. There's another epidemic in this world, and this one affects our teens a lot. It's called porn. And it's everywhere. How many of our teens have these phones, right? It's everywhere. And then you hear scriptures like this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is out, is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality Immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not of your own? You are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Or in Matthew 5.29, again, if if your right eye causes you to stumble gouge it out and throw it away. It is better to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose that one part of your body than your whole body to go to hell. (sighs) Wow. Seems impossible, doesn't it? And it is. It really is impossible on our own. But what what if we didn't have to do it? On our own. Sex in the context of marriage is something that God has meant to be a blessing. And it is a beautiful thing. Come on, you know it's awesome, right? Just keeping it real. <laughs> but Jesus makes it clear that even entertaining lustful thoughts about someone other than your marriage partner is sin. It's a heart issue. You cannot help seeing things and hearing things that surround you in this world. You can't help it. But the less that are awakened by your senses, they must be dealt with. And there's going to be fear in this room. There's fear in our homes. When realizing that these issues of the heart must be dealt with, no one here wants to talk about this stuff. No one wants to talk about this stuff. There's fear. But the most repeated command in the Bible is do not fear. He knows. God knows our greatest weaknesses. This isn't done by accident, this do not fear. God knows we're going to mess up. Absolutely. Thank you, Jesus, though. God knows we're going to mess up. He knows our weaknesses. We are not perfect by any means. But God is there for you. God loves you. He cares for you. He sent sent his only son to die for you. Do not fear. Find accountability somewhere. It helps. Find accountability. Find a men's group. Speak to a friend. Speak to a pastor. Find accountability. In Romans 8, 6, it says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. To overcome lust and to keep a pure marriage we need to have pure thoughts. It needs to start with pure thoughts. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Don't push them to the back of the corner of your mind when these things come up. Don't push them away. Allow Him to work through you. Jesus has said that one who even looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This shows that even what you think, even what you're already thinking, must be kept pure from all sorts of lusts. The desires that we experience that go against God's will. In other words, a desire for anything sinful. There was an article I was reading this week uh, by a pastor, I'm going to butcher his name, Kerry Newhoff. It says this, says, Sin creeps into other areas of your life. I don't know for sure, but I think it's generally true that when you compromise in one area of life, it doesn't take much to start compromising in other areas. Sin is like a weed. It grows fast and you never have to water it. The best way to tackle sin is to pull it out by its roots before it creeps into other areas of your life sin creeps into other areas of your life if you allow it. So if you allow one sin to start coming into your life, chances are other sins are just waiting right up behind the door. Life spring temptations in life are real. We are faced with temptations all the time. And if you allow it to compromise it, if you allow it to compromise you, it won't take much to start compromising other areas. But with God in our lives, we don't have to be controlled by lust. God wants to give you victory. He wants to give you victory. He wants to give you victory. He wants to give you victory. I can't say that enough. He does. He just wants to give you victory. He wants to give you victory over your sins. He wants, and with God's help, you can take up the battle against impure thoughts. Something else that Jesus said about adultery Says in John, when they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees they brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, "Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say?" They were using this question as a trap in order to have basis for accusing him. You see, the Pharisees, they were following Jesus all over the place, trying to trip him up on the law. Then they think they found it. Hey, we found this woman caught in the act of adultery. It's going to work. What is Jesus going to say about this? But then it says, Jesus bent down, started to write on the ground with his finger started to write. I love that. Can you just imagine the commotion going around going on around Jesus. They're so excited that these teachers of the law had found a way to shut Jesus up. But he just bends down and starts writing in the dirt. The composure that must take. He is calm because to do this action of writing in the dirt takes that certain boldness and wisdom that he already knows. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and started writing on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. I want to say that again. And neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. How many of us need to hear these words every single day when we wake up? Every single night when we go to sleep? To go. And leave your life of sin, that neither do I condemn you, that Jesus does not condemn us. How many of us need to hear these words? And it's not an impossible forgiveness, but it's one that's freely given to us. I love this story because of the added element of Jesus bending over to write something on the ground. Scholars said that it is immaterial what he wrote, that it doesn't matter what he wrote on the ground. I think different. I think it does matter what he wrote on the ground. Maybe not to you or I, but I think it mattered to the woman who was standing there. She's probably filled with shame and she's probably looking down. And then there's Jesus writing on the ground for her eyes. I believe that. Maybe she was, Maybe he was writing forgiven. Maybe he was writing mercy. I don't know, but I do know this. The Bible says that committing adultery is grounds for divorce. But there's also grounds for forgiveness. We actually got a video I want you guys to see.
1: I've been caught outright and dragged straight into open daylight. Bystanders gawking the village women absorbing every morsel of gossip. Common decency dictated that the shame of the moment was enough. But the law called for something greater. My life. Of course, a long audience followed behind. Don't think I didn't recognize a couple of them. Their words condemned me, but they didn't dare look me in the eye. I did everything to try to cover my shame, but I couldn't hide from the onlookers or this holy man whose feet they threw me to. I was finished. I stared at the ground When he said that whoever was sinless, they should go first. They should throw the first stone. Squeezed my eyes shut, grasping at the gravel, waiting for the end of my life to unfold. Nothing, though. Then footsteps. Except they were walking away. I looked up, is there no one left to accuse you? He asked me. No. I don't either. He said go and sin no more. Accusers, that's how he ended up on the cross. And as he hung there dying, he didn't say, I am finished. He said, It. It is finished. That's something different. That's a different thing. It means that something is accomplished, restored. He restored my hope, my self respect, and my dignity. I didn't even know I had any left. (laughs) on a day when I thought that my life was finished the only man there holy enough to demand justice handed me mercy
0: All right, I have something to tell you. <clears throat> if you have ever looked at someone lustfully, if you have ever committed adultery, whether physically or in your heart, there's some good news. Not only does Jesus provide mercy, he, awful, he also offers restoration. <clears throat> this morning in prayer, someone was uh, praying about restoration and they didn't know that I had written this little part about restoration. But it it speaks to me. Because he offers restoration. I believe in the restoration of marriage. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I believe in restoration of oneself. And I believe in restoration of our relationship with God, our Father, who loves us. But it's going to take a battle. I want to make this very clear. It's going to take a fight. And it's going to take you having to fight that battle with Jesus at your side against lust, against impure thoughts, against the enemy who is trying to entwine himself in our marriages and in our homes. We need to start... By surrendering our past. That means you, the you that you were before, you walked into this building this morning. It starts today. It starts right now. Surrender those things that get in the way of an authentic and loving relationship with our Father. We are all sinful people. I get that. But I'm not talking just about just the simple word of sin. I'm talking about the things that cause us to live in sin, to be immersed in sin, for us to make excuses about that. That dark corner of oneself where we all get comfy and surrounded by our sin, surrounded by our flesh, and then we make excuses for ourselves to justify it. Those things that we keep from our wives, those things that we keep from our husbands, from our children, from our friends. Why? Because we know it's wrong. We wouldn't have to hide things if if it was not wrong. But because of the grace of Jesus, we are able to lay those things today, right now, at his feet. Don't let us leave here the same as when we walked in here. Right now, we can lay these things at his feet, and the bonds and chains that keep us tethered to sin will no longer have a hold on us, for Jesus set us free. Amen? Amen? When you let Jesus into your hearts, when you let Jesus into your minds, and into your way of thinking, you will discover something miraculous. New life. Life with Jesus changes everything. Just like in the video with the woman standing at the feet of Jesus. It changed. In that moment with Jesus, it changed everything. Her life was projected to go one direction. But in that moment with Jesus, it completely changed. Radically changed course. And you will be transformed from the inside out when you let Jesus inside of you. You will be transformed from the inside out into the image of Jesus and everybody. You will be known to all around you just who you belong to. I want to invite the worship team up, please, and the prayer team as well. Church, It's going to take a battle. It's going to take a fight. How are you going to fight the battle? We like to keep these issues buried and private. But guess what? I just want you guys to know, God already knows these issues. He already knows you're imperfect. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what's in your heart. And there are two ways you can do this. You can either face the battle alone, which, by the way, you cannot and you will not win this battle on your own. Or you can fight this battle surrounded not by your in, your imperfect ways, but surrounded instead by the perfect will and the power of Jesus Christ. You're not alone, my friends. You're not alone in this. This affects us all. So I just want us to all just close our eyes for a moment and just... As Mary's playing some music, just allow God to just speak to you for a moment. Open your heart, open your ears, open your mind. Allow God to speak to you. Don't push him into the back corner of your mind. Allow him to fill you up. Keeping your eyes closed, I just want to say something. If you want to win this battle against your lust, you have to be dedicated. The battle actually starts in your everyday life before you were even tempted by impure thoughts. And it begins with prayer. Your battle begins with prayer. It begins with you accepting that you are not perfect, but that you need Jesus. And when you admit this, it takes bravery and humility to admit to yourself and to God that you need him. Maybe today is that day and you're saying, Jesus, Jesus, I want you to help me to protect my thoughts. Jesus, I want you to fight my battles because it's a battle that I cannot win without you. If this is you this morning, I want to pray for you. If this is you this morning and you need help from Jesus fighting these battles, I want you to raise your hands up so I can pray for you. Father God, I thank you so much for our time together. God, I pray that you protect our hearts this morning. Protect our minds and our thoughts. And instead, fill us up with the joy-filled thoughts of you. God, protect our marriages. Put a hedge of protection around them that nothing can penetrate, Lord. Our marriages, our relationships with our, our loved ones and our families, it is surrounded by you, God. We invite you now, Jesus, to fight our battles. We cannot do it without you. Surround us with your grace and your mercy, Lord. Surround us with your love. In your son's name we pray. Amen.